Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God is a good God. I want to speak to you this morning about the goodness of God. In Psalm 27, David says, verse 13, I would have lost heart. You ever felt like that? There's a moment in your life where you could have lost heart. David was at the worst moment of his life. He was being hunted down by the king of the land. The king wanted him dead because he was jealous of this young man, David. And David says, oh, I could have lost heart. Anyone here this morning who could have lost heart? Anyone felt so low that you just wanted to give up and give in? Anyone show me your hands? Come on, in safe place here this morning. Fantastic, so I'm speaking to the right people. He said, I could have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This was an incredibly hard time for David. He felt like giving up and he would have unless it was not for his belief system. He had a belief in his God. He had an understanding about his God that was able to hold him in the darkest moment and the darkest time of his life. He had a revelation of who God was and who God is and what God does as a result. He knew that he served a good God and that God as a result did good things. And even though it's hard and even though I feel like giving up and even though I feel like giving in, I'm not going to because I have a belief system. I have a conviction about who God is that's far greater than the difficulty and the trouble that I am presently going through today. And I'm here to tell you today that what you believe is greater than the reality itself. What you believe is far greater and far more important than actually what is happening to you. You may be going through a dark time and at that moment, it's gonna come down to what do you believe? In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus, uh, there's an account where Jesus sees two men that are blind. And He says, what do you want me to do for you? They said, we wanna see. And He said this, do you believe? Do you believe? That was the question to these two young blind men. And these men said, yes, we believe. This belief came from a place and this belief was able to override their blindness. And then Jesus said, according to what you believe, let it be done unto you. And they were able to see again. What you believe is more powerful than the realities you face. See, your revelation determines your expectation. What you are believing for determines what you expect to take place. What you believe is going to take place this morning is going to determine what you expect to take place this morning. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says it this way, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, what we believe about what happens has more power than what actually happens. Let me explain it this way. If your revelation about yourself is one of failure, if you think that you are no good, if you think that you are ugly, if you think you are too fat, too thin, too this, too that, if you don't like yourself, if that's the revelation you have of yourself, the expectation you have of others is that they won't like you. If you don't like you, then your expectation is that nobody else is going to like you. 
And if you think you're too fat, you're going to think everyone else thinks you're too fat. If you think that you are too thin, you're going to think everyone else thinks that you are too thin. If you don't think that you're a nice person, you're going to expect everyone else to think that you are not a nice person. Your revelation determines your expectation. And in your expectation determines the information. And so you might think that you are no good. So now that you expect others to think that you are not good. And so when you see somebody talking to somebody else, the information that feeds back to your mind based upon the expectation that you have of them is that they are talking bad about you. And so that your information about what they are talking about has come from the expectation that you had about them and what they thought about you based upon what you first thought about yourself. And so you come to the conclusion, they must, because I don't think of myself in a certain light and because I don't like myself, they don't like me and now they are talking bad about me. And our information has been distorted. And we conclude that they're talking bad about me and so we withdraw and confirm that nobody likes me because now nobody is actually talking to me because you've isolated yourself. And this is a strategy of the enemy. See, the enemy wants to twist the information to distort your revelation, to lower your expectation. That's what he wants to do. And we see that in the very first case of the very first people that were on the planet. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were enjoying the presence of God. And God in His love and mercy said, you can have anything, but please do not touch the one tree. This one tree in the middle of the garden. If you eat from it, you will surely die. And what does the devil do? The devil comes along and he visits them. He appears as a serpent and he begins to speak to Eve and he speaks to Adam. And it's amazing, what he says surprises me. Because the devil does not try to convince Adam and Eve that God doesn't exist. In other words, he doesn't go all Richard Dawkins on them. He doesn't become a rabid atheist. The devil's not an atheist. The demons are not atheists. They believe in the God and they shudder. They tremble. And so the devil doesn't try and convince Adam and Eve that God doesn't exist. But they, he tries to distort the information given by God to them to distort the revelation of who God is. So it lowers their expectation of what God can do. Yeah. It's an amazing thing what he says. In Genesis chapter three, verse four, it says, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. At that moment, what is the devil doing? He's calling God a liar. He's calling God a liar. He's distorting the character and the nature of who God is. He's watering down their revelation of who God is. What the devil wants to do in your life is distort the revelation of who God is. Because if he can lower your revelation, he will lower your expectation and it always starts with false information. You will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. He's accusing him of being insecure. God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't want you to know what He knows. He's keeping secrets for Himself. He's distorting who God is. Can you see that? He didn't even try to say God doesn't exist. That's too hard. And it's not as effective. It's far more effective 
Letting people think that God is, does exist, but God doesn't care for you. In actual fact, we live in a nation where most people are not atheists. Most people believe in a supernatural being that created what we see. But what most people don't know is that supernatural being is a God that loves them, is a God that cares for them, is a God that knows them, is a God that created them, is a God that has a plan and a purpose, plans to prosper and give them a hope and a future. That's what they don't know. And the reason they don't know it is because the enemy is distorting the information about who God is and so lowering the expectation that we have of Him. And then he goes on and he said, if God's a God of love, He wouldn't leave you. Now, now God never left Adam and Eve. They isolated themselves because every morning they would walk in the cool of the evening and he'd say, Adam, uh, they would talk about all sorts of things, but this one day, God's walking in the cool of the evening. He said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't God that left Adam. It was Adam that left God. But the devil wants to distort it. See, he doesn't care for you. He left you. Now, he, he never left anybody. He was always there. He's ever present. It's us who want to leave him. Are you with me this morning? These are the accusations that the enemy brings to distort the information and the revelation of who God is. And so pretty soon we don't have any expectation. And as a result, now that God is isolating Himself from us, we have to earn favour with Him. And we have to pursue Him. And we have to chase after Him. And we have to go after Him. That's religion. Christianity is the only religion in the world that we don't have to go to God, that He came to us. Every other religion is about doing good works to get to God, to earn favour with God. But Christianity will have none of that. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, God in His love and mercy left the splendour of heaven, came down, lived 33 years, died as a sacrifice once and for all, for you and for me. He came to us. But the devil tried to distort the information and said, God doesn't care. He left you all alone. God is an angry God is another accusation that he brings. And so because he's angry, you've got to work hard to try and make up for the things that you've done wrong. But what we need to know about that day in the garden is that God never cursed Adam and Eve. He cursed the devil. Yeah, there were consequences for Adam and Eve that day, but he never cursed them. In actual fact, he blessed them. He said, it's from your womb that a salvation will come. There is hope and power in your word. He actually blesses them. He doesn't curse them at all, which is false information to think that God cursed Adam and He cursed Eve. And as a result, He wants to curse you. God actually blessed Adam and Eve even after their sin. The devil wants you to believe that God is a vengeful God and so that you must be punished. That you must be punished because after all, God banished them from the garden. But it was God that covered up their nakedness. It was God that provided clothing for them. It was God that provided and protected them. You know, if you understand God to be a vengeful God, if that's your perception of who God is, then everything that takes place in your world, every bad thing that happens, you're gonna see that God is punishing you. Maybe you've ever had a flat tire on your way to work. And as you're trying to fix that tire, you think about, man, I did kick the cat. Oh, this is God punishing me. Here's a newsflash. Maybe you got a flat tyre because you ran over a nail. That's it. Maybe it's got nothing to do with God and everything to do with the nail that went into your tyre. Maybe that's it. See, if our revelation of who God is, it's going to distort our expectation of what God can do. 
We need the eyes of our heart open this morning to the fact that our God is indeed a good God. This strategy of the enemy to distort the information and so twist your revelation and lower your expectation is something that has taken place from day one and He does it today. He does it directly and He does it indirectly through people. And we need to understand that our God is a good God. Everyone say, good God. He's a good God. Yeah. Going back to our text where Jesus spoke to those two blind men, He says, according to your faith, let it be unto you. You see, our convictions, our belief systems are incredibly important. And I believe one of the most important convictions that you and I can have is the fact that God is good. I believe one of the the, the vital signs of our Christian walk is our ability to hold on to this truth that it wouldn't just be information, that it would be a conviction that our God is a good God. No matter what we are going through, no matter what we are facing, if you understand God is good, you hang around long enough knowing that all things work together for the good. If you believe that God is good, you can face anything. If you believe God is good, You can face anything. When Paul and Silas were thrown in jail, the Bible says at midnight, the darkest hour, in the deepest dungeon, they were able to sing praises to God. Why? Because their conviction was not based upon their circumstances. Their convictions were based upon the fact that God is good. And we might not have a piano today. We may not have an organ today. We may not have electric guitars or drums today. We may be in jail today. We may be in stocks and chains today, but it doesn't change the fact that our God is good. Hey, let's sing a song to the goodness of God. And they began to sing. And it says, the prisoners were listening. The prisoners were listening. I wanna tell you, people all around are always listening to what you're saying. Is what you're saying worth listening to? But not only were the prisoners listening that day, God was listening. And the Bible says that there was an earthquake. And the reason is that there was an earthquake is because God started tapping His foot to the tunes that they were singing. And when God starts tapping His foot to the tunes that you and I sing, the world can't help but shake. And their shackles came off, the doors flung open and they were free. They were free because of their theology that God is good. God is good. We faced many tragedies as a church. We faced many tragedies as a community of people. More recently, this this state and the sporting community has faced an incredible tragedy. The people of South Carolina who attended a prayer meeting faced an incredible tragedy. And yet their theology came to the fore. The way they banded together and responded to one man's badness was to talk about our God's goodness. I heard an account when the young man who took all those lives in that prayer meeting that particular day stood in the dock and the victims had the opportunity to speak to the man that did those atrocities the people looked at that man and said, I forgive you. That is not normal behaviour. That is not natural behaviour. That is kingdom behaviour. 
That is the behaviour and the language of those who are saturated and immersed in the theology and the understanding that our God is good and He does good and He makes all things work together for the good. And I may not have understanding, I may not have the answers, I may not have the reasons why these things are happening, but I know, like I know, like I know, like I know that our God is good. And as a result, we can respond a certain way. Understanding the goodness of God is the entrance through which we access every blessing in life. I'm going to say that one more time. Understanding the goodness of God is the entrance through which we access every blessing of our lives. You've got to understand the goodness of God. Because when you understand the goodness of God, everything will work out well for you even when you're going through the toughest of times because it's based upon a theology that does not change. And so in the remaining time that I have, I'm going to go through a whole heap of Scriptures this morning that just support what the Bible says about the goodness of God. I believe in the goodness of God because creation is good. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything that He had made and indeed He said, it is very good. Good, which means God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of imperfection. He's the author of all things that are good. There are some things that happen that are not good and not pleasant, but God is not the author of those things. He is the author of all things that are good and that is seen in creation. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord will be praised. We can get excited about a good God because we saw a good sunrise and we see good sunsets. When you look at the ocean, that is good because we serve a good God. You've been, your breath been taken away with creation. Whatever you're into, whether it's the mountains, whether it's the rainforest, whether it's the ocean, whether it's cats or dogs or whatever it is, whatever form of creation, it highlights that God is good. Amen. God is a good God. Secondly, God reveals Himself to people as good. Uh, he revealed um, Himself to Moses as a good God. Moses said in Exodus chapter 6, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. And it said, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and in truth. Our God is not only good, He abounds in goodness. Which means there's enough goodness in our God for each and every one of us. It's not like He has favourites and He just blesses some people and He runs out of goodness. He abounds in goodness. He has enough goodness for me. He has enough goodness for Paul. He has enough goodness for every person in this room, every person in this community, city, nation and the world. He's a good God and He abounds in good things. Thirdly, God's promises are good. In Exodus chapter 3, Verse 8, he says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't that amazing? The promises of God are good. When the Israelites who are oppressed and bound and in bondage, God says, come out. And He used His deliverer leader, Moses, to take the people out. And He used His leader, Joshua, to bring them into a better land, a promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A larger land, a better land. 
The promises He has for you and I are bigger and they are better. I thank God for this church. I thank God for what uh, we have been able to achieve by His grace over the last 21 years. But I can't settle here because I know that there are bigger and better things that God has for us. His promises are good. The Holy Spirit, number four, is good. God has given us a Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is good. Psalm 143 verse 10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Your Spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Jesus said He's gonna send the gift of the Holy Spirit. And He says, if you fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more our heavenly Father, He knows how to give good gifts. And that is the gift of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is a God that uh, knows what it is to bring good things into your life and into my life. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and of sound mind. This is the promise that we have in God. Thirdly, Jesus is good. Sorry, number five, Jesus is good. These are things, this is the information we need to hold on to. That our revelation of God will continue to be magnified. That our expectation of God will continue to grow. Jesus is good. In Luke chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. Later on, it talks about Jesus going around and doing good. Jesus is good. Our God is a good God. He gives good gifts. And number six, the end of all things is good. Oh, you've got to get this. The end of all things is good. In Revelation 21 verse 4, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. No more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain. And the former things have passed away. I, I believe in a good God. And that means, you know what? At the end of all time, it's gonna end out good. It's gonna end up good. I, you know what? Here's a spoiler alert. If you go to the end of the Bible and read, it finishes like this, we win. Yeah. See. You, you know that, you know when someone's reading a book and there's something that the hero dies, and, oh, he died, I can't believe it. Kind of Game of Thrones style, everyone dies. And, but this is the opposite, everyone lives. It's an amazing thing. And for me, this, this, is, this is the settler. That if my little prayers don't get answered, I, I know that it will end up well. Yeah. That in the end, all things come together for good. I, I know that to be true. God is a good God. And if I experience some tough times, this is what I know. If I'm going through a tough time right now, I know this, it's not the end. Because in the end, it's gonna be good. So if you're going through a tough time right now, know this, you're not at the end. That's why you're going through a tough time right now because it's not at the end. Because at the end, there'll be no crying, there'll be no poverty, there'll be no sin, there'll be no sickness, nobody will be out of work. So if you're going through a tough time, keep going. It's just not at the end yet because it always ends well. It's always gonna end well for me. That's my theology and philosophy in life. It's gonna end well for me. Life is gonna go good for me. 
I'm not going to get bitter and I'm not going to get twisted. I thank God that after 21 years uh, leading a church and almost close to 30, minute, 30 years in ministry, looking after young people, I thank God that I can stand before you and say so there's not one person that I'm harbouring a grudge toward. There's not one person that has robbed me of my joy because of what they've done or what they've said, because what they do and what they say has no bearing on the end result that all things work together for the good. See, it's not about stopping certain things. I think sometimes we spend more energy trying to stop what he's saying and what she's saying and what he's doing and what they're doing and what this happening and that's happening. The answer is getting deeper in our understanding of who God is. And when you understand who He is, you'll realise He's good. And when you realise He's good, you realise He does good things. And when you realise He does good things, that means it's going to work out good for me. And so I say it one more time, if right now you were going through a tough time and nothing about your life feels good, know this, it's not the end. That's all it means. It just means it's not the end. It's not the end. For me, this helps us understand when our prayers don't get answered and people we pray for ultimately go and be with the Lord that we thought were going to live and be healed. Where's the good in that? I want you to know for every brother and sister, that we pray for, that does not get healed and goes to be with the Lord. There's a clue. They go to be with the Lord. And while we miss them dearly, they go to be with the Lord. And their pain, their sickness, their poverty, it's all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. It always works good in the end. It always works out good in the end. Amen? In the end, we win. The Bible builds an incredible case for the goodness of God. And here's the thing. If you believe in the goodness of God, look at me, it's all right. If you believe in the goodness of God, you begin to look for the goodness of God. See, see some of you see bad because that's what you're looking for. Because what you believe is greater than the realities. And what you look for, you'll always find. If you look for problems, you'll always find them. It always fascinates me. People come to this church, they love it, and it's amazing, and we are the best thing ever. And I say, you know what? Just hang around. Just hang around for long enough, and, and you'll start to see some things. You'll start to see we're not as perfect, we're not as good, we're not as gracious, we're not as this, we're not as that. We're, not, we're just not a perfect church. You'll always find what you're looking for. But if we understand that God is good, and we begin looking for the goodness of God, You'll always see it. You'll always see it. If you want to see the negative, you'll always see it. Because where there are people, there are problems. There will always be problems. You know, it's amazing to me. We were at Hillsong Conference more recently, and uh, I was blessed thoroughly. The people I went with were blessed thoroughly. 20,000 other people were blessed thoroughly. People watching online, countless thousands, were blessed thoroughly. And yet there are some people standing there, with microphone and tormenting all the comers and goers of the conference, just talking about what Hillsong is not and what it should be doing and where's the money going and all this stuff. And they missed the goodness. They missed the greatness of what was taking place. They missed it. There was a media coverage and some was positive, others was negative. It's the same people, same day, same event, and yet different responses. And they were adamant that what they were talking about was true. Because that's what they saw. That's what they saw. 
Asking young people, how much did you pay for the conference? That's a waste of money. You know you can go to the... What? The media coverage never said that in the time that Hillsong Church has been going, over 40,000 children have been sponsored through Compassion because of all those that have gone to Hillsong Conference. They don't mention that. They don't mention that. So, so what we see is really important. And we need an eye to see the goodness of God. We need to look for good success. When you, when you understand God is a good God, you'll look for good success. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, let me go through these things quickly. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night. You may observe, uh, so that you may observe, observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, he will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. You know what, when we take on things, I'm believing that God is going to bring us good success. You know, people often say, did you think that what has taken place would take place? God superseded, but, but, but I, I don't expect to fail. I, I didn't do all this just to expect to fail. I expect God to do great things through us. I expect to succeed in what God has called us to do. He brings us good success. Secondly, look for God's good, sorry, God's good hand upon me. In Psalm 119, verse 68, it says, You are good and you do good. In other words, God's good hand will guide us. And I'm convinced of this. Even when we make mistakes, God's good hand will pick us up and just get us on the right direction. And then we make a mistake and we fall down. He'll just pick us up and, and, and lead us in the right direction. And he'll just pick us up and lead us in the right direction. In actual fact, I, I think success doesn't look like this. We, we think success, it looks like this. And God's just picking us up and putting us on the right path and we learn some things. And, and when we do the wrong thing, have you ever thought, oh, I've done the wrong thing. I should never do that again. That's great. That's, that's empowering. That's empowering knowing that that didn't work. Now you know what not to do. And God blesses you. Have you ever, have you been on an elevator going up and you trip over? Have you ever done that? Or is it just me? Yeah. Have you never done that? You've been on an escalator, whoa, just fall over. And here's the amazing thing. When you fall over on an elevator going up, an escalator, an escalator. You know, when you, when you get up, you're actually further up than you were when you fell over. That's the grace of God. You fall over and you keep going up. God keeps taking you and He's using your mistakes to advance His kingdom. It's an amazing thing. An escalator. You know, an escalator. You know, like an escalator. Not an elevator, because an elevator is where I turn Justin Bieber down. Anyway, an escalator. Uh, what are we talking about? Number three, look for God to honour His good name. Psalm 54, verse 6. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. God is going to honour His good name. We see that with Hillsong Church. It's amazing. The media coverage. God is going to honour His good name. Even in the darkest moment, even the worst accusation, God is going to honour His good name. Look for it. Look for miracles. Psalm 50, uh, 84 verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from you from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he uphold. If we can have the team come, that would be great. We need the team to get up here because we've got to sing that song one more time. And we're going to sing it with a newfound revelation of who God is, the fact that he is good. Amen. Look for miracles. You know, I, I believe God is a God who does miracles. That does not mean that every person I've ever prayed for is healed. But I believe that God heals today. 
We can't allow some of our present realities to distort the information and distort our revelation and expectation. You know, when I was a very new pastor, very, very new, um, we had a young man. In actual fact, I, I married him and his wife. He was the first wedding I ever conducted as a minister, and I was able to have this privilege of just marrying them. Amazing day. He was 26 years of age. Seven months later, the young man that I married, I was now burying. My first wedding I ever conducted and my first funeral I ever conducted had the same person in it. Did we pray for him to be healed? Yep. Uh, we went further than that. We went to the funeral parley, parlor, full of faith. We saw his dead, lifeless body. We asked everyone in the funeral parlor to, to evacuate the room because we saw Jesus did that. So we thought we'd just get everyone out. And, and me and my brother, we just began to pray. And I, I, can never, I, I can never describe to you fully the, what I was feeling at that moment. To be in absolute faith that this young man could be raised up from the dead in one hand and to be totally terrified if he actually did. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. To have absolute faith, say, Father, raise this young man up. This is not the end. To pray that with absolute faith and then to be terrified if anything happened. I think it's possible. I think it's possible to be filled with joy and excitement and fear at the same time. Needless to say, nothing happened. Nothing happened. We buried that young man. But the next week, a young woman came with a baby. Never forget it. Baby was blind. And she asked if we could pray for this child. And for some strange reason, I felt to tell her this story about this young man that we just buried. And I never forget what I said. I said, I'd, I'd love to pray for your child. I count it a privilege and an honor. But I just want to tell you a story of something that's happened more recently. Young man, we believed God could raise up and heal, passed away, and we buried him just last week. And I said, I'll tell you this, because I want you to know that my experience does not override my theology. This I know, God heals today. And if you would permit me to pray for your child, I would love to petition the Lord and ask Him to grace your child and bring healing. This child's born blind. We prayed. This is not India. This is not Africa. This is a small, tiny church that didn't know what we were doing. We prayed. She went back to the doctor. This child was able to see. It was a miracle. Local paper took a hold of the story, put it in the story. Amazing thing. Don't allow your realities, your disappointments, your setbacks to rob you of the unchanging truth of God's Word. God is good. God is good. Doesn't change the fact. Why some people go to be with the Lord. Why some non-Christians get healed who didn't even ask to be prayed for. And other believers who've done the right thing and given tithes and offerings. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand all that. But I don't have to. It's got to believe God's good. Got to believe God's good. 
God is a good God. And He loves you. He knows you. He wants the best for you. I know young people who, who, who you know, hate the idea of ever being a dad because they were abused by their dad. And while I don't fully understand the pain of that, while I, fully, I don't fully understand the weight or the magnitude of that, because I had a great upbringing, my prayer is that God will somehow wash over us and, and begin to give us a new image of what our Heavenly Father is like. That we wouldn't weigh up what the Father God is like based upon our imperfect examples. I know young couples that are just terrified of ever getting married because of what they saw their mum and dad go through. And it's my prayer that God would so wash over us that we would have a new found revelation of what God intended for marriage. That we wouldn't base our life on our past disappointments or hurts. I thank God for my upbringing. I've been led a fairly sheltered life, to be honest. But my heart breaks for people. My heart breaks for people that are hurting, that have gone through some things that God has saved me from. But I want you to know, this God that I'm talking about knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows your circumstance. He knows your situations. He knows how unfairly you've been treated. He knows all of that. But, but He doesn't want you to stay in that place. And there's an invitation for each and every one of us on a daily basis to come to Him afresh and just surrender our life to Him afresh. Because as we get older in life, we can tend to get jaded and cynical and bitter. And there's this invitation on a daily basis, come to me. I can see you're getting hurt. I can see you're getting bitter. I can see you're getting despondent. Come on, I want to wash you clean again. Most of us, most of us in this room would have had a shower today. And if you don't have it, haven't had it already, you probably have one tonight. We, we, we bathe on a daily basis. And so it is in the presence of God, we want to bathe. And so things don't stick to us. And it's not that you can do this life without getting hurt. It's not that you can do this life without getting dirty. We do. I get hurt like anybody else, but it's at the end of the day, we bring that hurt and we, we wash ourselves with the information of the Word of God and it's that washing of His Word that washes away the hurt, the pain and the dirtiness and we start the day afresh instead of putting past experiences onto our present realities. Amen. Chris mentioned a number of young people put their hand up. I know, I know how some of the older people my age hear that. Oh, yeah, but is it real? Will they last? That's what I'm talking about. Let's, get, let's just get washed. I look forward to what's going to take place at Winter Project. I'm, I'm believing for many, many young people to have their lives turned around. Many people who are far from God come back to God. Yes, they've got to walk out their salvation, but can't we rejoice in what is taking place? If we can't, that, that's we need washing. We're no longer seeing God as a good God, but we start getting cynical. Now, if we've been in church for a long time, we, we know enough to not call God cynical. We're probably not going to use the language, but we use the attitude and the actions. 
And, that, and that's what we want to be washed clean of today as we understand the goodness of our God. Don't let your present realities rob you of the unchanging Word of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 